Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. Have you ever been discouraged after speaking to someone about your own experience of Christ? Well, the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 22 presents the truth of his own conversion and God's charge to him only to elicit a reaction so violent, so full of anger that he had to be rescued by an entire division of the Roman legion. This account is as enlightening as it is fascinating. Stay with us today for another remarkable life study of the Bible with Witness Lee a program furnished by Living Stream Ministry and based on the ministry of Witness Lee in Watchman Nee. Once again, today we have recorded portions from Witness Lee's 1984 life study of the Book of Acts. And Ron Kangas is here with us to help sort out these incredible events that are described in this chapter of the Bible. Ron, after hearing this word today, I think that our listeners are going to be very impressed with a couple of things, and not the least of which is that the speaking of the truth of God's Word often brings about very unexpected results, doesn't it? The truth certainly does. And as this program will unfold, we want to emphasize that we are not seeking to be provocative for its own sake. Rather, we simply want to be faithful to release the truth of God's word, the truth of God's economy, realizing that a lot of religious people aren't happy with this. And that's unfortunate, but we must be faithful to God and to his word to speak the truth, no matter what the results may be, expected or unexpected. Ron, in the midst of this tumultuous situation that we find in Jerusalem, the Apostle Paul is surrounded by enemies intent even on doing away with him, actually killing him. But the Lord affords Paul an opportunity to make a defense. Ron, review for us a little bit here. How did Paul get into this kind of riotous situation? I would say his involvement in this riotous situation was the result of two things coming together in quite a striking manner. The first was Paul's burden for the church in Jerusalem and his concern about the situation in Jerusalem in relation to God's economy. Paul was very burdened to go there. Paul was one who carried out the ministry of God's New Testament economy, and he was very intensely burdened in his spirit to go to Jerusalem. This is the first item. The other was the compromising situation not only in Jerusalem, but in the church, and not merely in the church, but also among certain of the apostles and elders, especially James. So when Paul got there, James pointed out the large number of Jews that were believers and that they had heard bad things, supposedly, about Paul. 
And so James encouraged Paul to join some brothers who had made a Nazarite vow and were now completing the vow. This required Paul to go with them and to pay the cost of this procedure in the temple. And at the end of the required time, some of the religionists saw him there. They were inflamed by his presence. They distorted what he was doing. They made false accusations that he had brought Gentiles or pagans into the temple. And a riot ensued. So this riotous situation was the issue of Paul's concern intersecting with the situation of religious mixture and Paul's either accommodation or compromise with it, depending how you view it. That led to a riotous situation, which we believe was under God's sovereign control for the preservation of Paul, that Paul may complete his portion of the New Testament ministry to carry out God's New Testament economy. Ron, in the midst of the riot, the Lord intervenes very sovereignly, and we see Paul about to give his first defense of his situation. Let's join Witness Lee for this portion of the life study. My burden is to point out to you the uh, dispensational transfer. I would ask you to read verse 21, chapter 22. And he said to me, that means the Lord said to Saul, Go, for I will send you to Gentiles. And uh, verse 22 says, Opposing Jews listened to him up to this word. Before this word, everything okay. Once the word Gentiles came out of his mouth, oh, this word was a whirlwind. Everybody got threw up, and then they lift up their voices, saying, Away with such a man from the earth, for it is not fitting for him to live. Gentiles? No, no, no. Today, if you go out to speak the truth, you have to be careful. Don't speak the word Gentiles at Paul's time. If you mention the word Gentiles, you offend everybody. Of course, you may ask me, Brother Lee, what are today's Gentiles? Today's Gentiles are in two or three synonyms. You shouldn't talk about denominations. And you shouldn't talk about the church. And you shouldn't talk about the church ground. And you shouldn't talk about... Christ being the life-giving spirit. To hear these words, just like the Jews heard the word Gentiles. I feel Brother Paul, he was very cautious in presenting his experiences on the way to Damascus. Yet he could not avoid to tell this one aspect of the truth. That is, the Lord did say to him, Go, for I will send to you the Gentiles. And how could he not tell people? So, no way out. They don't have any ear to listen to this word. Today, so many don't have the ears 
to listen to church ground, Christ being the Spirit. You think about it. If you like to keep peace, there's no other way but to compromise. Avoid speaking these offending words. He was faithful. Paul says, I never disobeyed my heavenly vision. He didn't avoid the word Gentiles in his presentation. We ought to learn to be so faithful. We must speak the truth. I was advised in many places, Brother Lee, you have a lot of things to minister. Why do you have to say again and again, the church, the church, life-giving spirit? You have to see. Paul's burden was just to propagate the resurrected Christ among the Gentiles. If you shut up his mouth from talking about Gentiles, he will be jobless. Ron, in his defense before these Jewish religionists in Acts 22, Paul was very faithful to speak the truth concerning the commission that he had received from the Lord to proclaim the gospel to the Gentile world. In a sense, Paul did compromise with this Jewish influence when he agreed to the Nazarite vow. But when he was given the opportunity to speak, it seems he just could not hold back. He had to speak the truth of the divine revelation. What does this show us about this person, Paul, and his burden in the ministry? In his person... Paul was a faithful, bold, frank, honest, God-honoring servant of the Lord. His character and his person matched his burden in the ministry, which is the second point you asked about his ministry. Paul had a marvelous, glorious, direct contact with the Lord, and that was followed almost immediately by a practical contact with the body. This initial experience was followed up by seasons of tremendous revelation and a lifetime of pursuing Christ and laboring by the grace of God to carry out God's New Testament economy. So Paul simply had no way, no recourse, other than to be faithful to the burden he had received from the Lord to carry out the ministry. Paul had the spirit of a martyr. Way back in Acts 1, we saw that the word for witness and the word for martyr come from the same root. So Paul had the spirit of a martyr. He did not love his natural life. He did not spare his natural life, but was willing to be faithful unto death. Paul was willing to be martyred. Eventually, he was martyred, but not until he had faithfully finished the full course allotted out to him to carry out the new covenant ministry. So Paul was a burdened person. Paul was a frank and faithful person. And we see this marvelous combination exhibited in the way he conducted himself during his testimony to the religionists and his reaction to his arrest and subsequent imprisonment, Paul really is a pattern of one who is faithful unto the end. He was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Ron, as you read this account of Paul's defense, 
everything seems smooth enough. Then in verse 21, it says, And he said to me, and of course he's referring to the Lord, Go, for I will send you forth far away to the Gentiles. And they listened to him up to this word. And then they lifted up their voice, saying, Away from the earth with such a man, for it is not fitting for him to live. The key word here, obviously, was Gentiles. It seemed to inflame these religious people beyond anything that seems rational today. Of course, that's not such an inflammatory word today. Is there a current equivalent, or are there current equivalents in this ministry? The real issue here has nothing to do with race, ethnicity, or nationality. The real issue concerns the dispensational transfer out from the Old Testament economy into God's New Testament economy. We know from other scriptures that Paul was burdened to the point of being beside himself for Israel. He even went so far as to say in Romans he wished that he would be cut off even for his people. He was so burdened for them. But Paul was principally burdened for the carrying out of God's New Testament economy The strong reaction of the Jewish religionists to the word Gentiles shows how utterly disobedient they were in attitude and deed to God's action to work out a dispensational transfer. So I say again, the point here has nothing to do with ethnicity or race or nationality. It has to do with whether or not one prefers to remain in an old religious system or to be one with God in his present move to carry out his New Testament economy. Now, in response to what may be implied in principle to the word Gentiles, there are many matters today and many issues today that point up the inevitable conflict between the truth of God's word and the revelation of God's New Testament economy and the old, traditional, systematize religious organization that abounds today in various forms. Items such as the organic nature of the body of Christ, the functioning of all the members versus the system of clergy laity, the proper emphasis on spiritual gifts, the realization that many things are replacements of Christ, the matter of the divisions that abound versus the New Testament teaching concerning the practical oneness of the church, the truth concerning the judgment seat of Christ, the truth concerning the Father's house in John 14 not being a heavenly mansion, but being the house of God, the body of Christ, the truth concerning the New Jerusalem as the ultimate organic consummation of God's New Testament economy, and that it's not a physical city with literal gold and pearls, Sometimes, in our faithfulness to God, we must bring forth the proper Bible understanding of these things. When we do, there may not be outwardly a riot, but there is the stirring up of religious passions at the mere suggestion that God may be doing something different based on his word from what old traditional religion is accustomed to. Well, we're not here simply to provoke a kind of response just for the thrill of it. This is fleshly. This is soulish. Rather, we're here simply, as Paul was in Ephesus when he was in another riot, we are here simply to speak the truth in love, in Christ, 
in life according to the pure word, and we trust that the real seekers of the Lord will receive the word as the Bereans did and then check it out by the scriptures. Blessed are those who are willing to go on in the Christian life and on according to the divine revelation. Blessed are those who are willing to receive something new that is truly according to the word of God. Why are they blessed? They're blessed because they have a marvelous opportunity to make a dispensational transfer out of religion into God's eternal economy. This was Paul's burden. We would like to learn of him to be faithful to the truth concerning God's economy. Well, we certainly see the Lord is faithful to the truth, and in this coming session, we're going to see how aggressively and personally he interacted on behalf of his chosen one to protect the truth. Let's go back to Witness Lee. I'd like to say a little bit about the Lord's sovereignty. In the entire scene, you could see the Lord's sovereign protection. Paul was first to fall into the trap, the Judaic trap. He was there for six days. It was hard for him to get out. But the Lord raised up a kind of environment to rescue him out of the trap. Then he got into a very dangerous environment. He could be killed just like this within half a minute. Yet, the Lord came in to intervene through the Roman commander. Then the strange thing was that after he was transferred from the Jewish hand to the commander's hand, he was put into the custody there. The Jews, they made a vow with a curse that if they don't kill Paul, they would not eat and drink. They mean business. They were desperate. But this secret was known by Paul's sister's son. And this young man went to one centurion. And the centurion told this secret to the commander. The commander right away gave the order to 200 soldiers and 70 horsemen and 200 spearsmen. Altogether, 470 armed people to uh, bring Saul to carry out the transfer into Caesarea. Why this commander had to use so many soldiers? To my opinion, probably 10 soldiers would be sufficient. Well, the commander saw the rat, hundred people there, maybe thousand. So this was the reason he ordered so many soldiers, an army, what a protection. This is our one. The Jews didn't know a beat. Yet something was secretly carried out by the Lord's sovereignty. It was here that Paul was kept in custody for two years. He got rescued from his kind of business around the Mediterranean Sea in his ministry. 
And he got released from all other burdens. And he got also rescued out of the parting Jews. Now he is safely guarded under Governor Felix in his custody. And eventually he was a kind of negligence. He nearly forgot Paul, leaving him in the custody for two years. That was a golden time for him to consider his future, to consider what he had to write. Now you could see the Lord has accomplished a kind of environment to safeguard Paul and to keep Paul in a very quiet environment to carry out his writing ministry, to complete his ministry and to complete the New Testament revelation. It's really marvelous. Ron, in this section, I think we have to marvel at the sovereignty of God in this most difficult situation. The Lord was so merciful to Paul to rescue him, even after Paul was somewhat responsible for the difficult situation that he found himself in. Comment on how this scene ultimately plays out. We have Paul now brought into custody of the Roman government, and he spends two some years there. There was much more to this than just the Lord's merciful rescue of his servant, wasn't there? Yes, much more. We may study this account and marvel at Paul's wisdom and God's sovereignty in rescuing Paul from trouble. And the only thing we may see is that when we're in trouble, God will deliver us. And that's it. As if our personal deliverance were the central issue. And it's not. Brother Watchman Nee was not delivered from his imprisonment. Eventually, Brother Paul, our pattern, was martyred, as was Peter, as was James. So we need to see something beyond just our personal security. The point is, why did God exercise his sovereignty to rescue Paul? The answer is related to the need for Paul to fulfill his ministry to carry out God's New Testament economy. Here we go again, emphasizing the burden at the heart of this ministry, to minister Christ as life according to God's economy for the building up of the body of Christ. God rescued Paul for himself, for his own interests. The Lord realized that Paul needed a period of time personally to go on himself. Paul needed what we may call a golden time, not of severe suffering where he was, but of confinement, of limitation. And as we'll see, his friends were allowed to visit him and care for him. This was a time for Paul to pray and reflect and to receive further light regarding God's economy. This would be a preparation for the pinnacle of Paul's writing ministry to be conducted from a prison cell in Rome. This shows once again that God's concern is with his 
economy. God's concern here was to preserve Paul, a chosen vessel, one ordained by God to complete the divine revelation, as Paul speaks of himself in Colossians chapter 1. So, the Lord intervened sovereignly, extricated Paul from the riotous situation, delivered him from the plot of the would-be assassins, used the Roman military to convey him to a safe place, then kept him there, safe from attack, for at least two years. The Lord did this not merely because he was concerned for Paul's welfare. It was important to the Lord and his interests that Paul's life not be shortened prematurely by the enemy. It was crucial that Paul, a chosen vessel, the one appointed to write a major portion of the New Testament, it was crucial that he be preserved, that he be further prepared, and that finally he be put into the best situation, not for himself, but for God, for God's heart's desire, for God's eternal purpose, for God's eternal economy, and for the release of the divine revelation. So a lot depends on our perspective. If we view this from the standpoint of God's economy, light will flood into us, and we may learn of Paul not to care mainly for ourselves and our well-being and our security, but under God's sovereignty to care for the heart's desire of God, and that is to care for God's New Testament economy to minister Christ as life according to the heavenly vision of the truth for the building up of the body of Christ, which consummates in the new Jerusalem. I confess my indebtedness to this ministry and to Brother Lee's faithfulness in the ministry to open up the book of Acts from a heavenly and divine point of view. It is a great mercy to be able to hear such a presentation from one who knew the heart's desire of God and the eternal economy of God. Ron, this viewpoint or perch that you described so well there is in such contrast to the very self-centered ministry that I think is so common today. What a mercy to be recalibrated in this way, to see the Word of God opened up from this perspective of what is on God's heart rather than what is always just best for me. To God be the glory. We'd very much encourage you to give us a call, let us know your feeling and uh, how this life study of the book of Acts has maybe changed your own perspective. Please call us, and the toll-free number that you can reach us is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 543-3788. Also, you can write to us, and our mailing address is Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121 in Anaheim, California, 92814. And our email address is radio at lsm.org. For Ron Kangas today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry, publisher and distributor of the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. If you'd like to contact us, just email radio at lsm.org or call us toll-free at 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. 
That's 1-888-543-3788. Thanks for listening.